Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. First of all, we're starting a series today called The Life of Joseph. What will they say about you? And that sounds a little bit, you know, we wrestled with that because it sounds a little bit um, about us. And so sometimes as a Christian, I'm feeling like, who cares what they say about me? I only care what God says about me. But we are people of influence, right? When, when Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth, that means that somebody is going to talk about you, that you are the light of the world, someone is going to say something about you. And so when we look at the life of Joseph, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of life lessons. There's a lot of things we could talk about. But we're specifically going to be, over the next many weeks, going to be looking at the life of Joseph. Because at the end of his life, I love what Genesis, and this is not on the PowerPoint, Michael, I apologize ahead of time, because I think last night I I sent about eight scriptures um, how many have ever used the, the uh, excuse, my, the dog ate my homework? Okay, that did not happen. But um, I was sitting there talking to my wife, and she just heard me go, man, last night because I closed my document, and it just didn't save. And I got this message, we're so sorry, but your document was not saved. Couldn't go back, couldn't find it, so I just hurried up and sent Nick a lot of the scriptures I would be referring to. So there's a lot of things on the PowerPoint that are not on the PowerPoint, okay? Just pretend they're there. Now, that being said, the, the, main, the main focus of this series is just going to be found in Genesis chapter 41. If you will, if I can just fast forward, because where we're starting today um, we're going to look at Joseph when he was 17. But, but for him to begin to step into what God had planned for him, it, didn't, it started when he was 17. But the fulfillment in what was going to happen did not happen until 30. And I, I love that setting, and you'll hear us, it's going to be a part of the series. But he stands before Pharaoh, and he interprets the dreams. And I love what Pharaoh says. He He looks out over the entire population, and he says, Can we find a man like this in whom the Spirit of God is? See, at the end of your life, what I want people to be able to say is, Man, can we find a a wife like this in whom the Spirit of God is? Can we find a student like this in whom the Spirit of God is? Can we find a husband, a son, a daughter like this? And they're pointing at you, by the way. Sometimes we just hope we measure up. I'm telling you, through Jesus Christ, um, I want us to look at Joseph's life because I can rest assured in what they'll be saying. Let me first say this. Don't judge a life till it's lived. Don't judge me by what I did yesterday. 
please. And this afternoon is questionable. But I, I'm just saying, if we're human and we are, a lot of things could happen this week, but if you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, it's not a, it's not a free ticket to sin. It just means when you mess up, you confess up. And we're covered by His grace. Now I say that because I want us to look at this this morning, and I'm, I'm laying foundation and I'm already feeling a little bit rushed, so I'm going to try to slow down. We only have to about 1.30. But God tells us a lot of stuff in this, in this next four or five chapters through chapter 47. But he starts in Genesis chapter 41 with this story. And, and again, I just want you to get in your mind. First of all, whatever God starts, God finishes. He who began the good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You're not here by accident. You're not even here this morning by accident. You think you're checking things out, but you're not here by accident. You think you had nothing else to do, so you came anyway, but it's not by accident. And I want you to look at this passage this morning, not through the lens of what you think you already know about Joseph. How many have heard a series on Joseph or the story of Joseph so many times that you could come up here and help me tell the story of Joseph. Come on, raise your, you know. If you went to Sunday school twice, you heard the story of Joseph, right? <clears throat> Here's what I want you to do. Forget everything you know. Forget all the preconceived ideas because when I say Joseph, some of you are already way ahead of me. I want you to look at Joseph this morning through the lens of a young man. A young woman, teenager, college student, just married, just engaged. Um, even if you're 40, 60, 70, 80, just relax. And don't get ahead of what I believe, because this is not going to be a typical foundation this morning. Let me just start reading, and you'll see why in just a moment. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 37, actually, starting at verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17, was pasturing the flock with his brothers, and he was a boy with the sons of Bela and Zilpah. Now, what does that mean? His mother was Rachel. This was a blended family. His mother was Rachel. And before she had Joseph and then Benjamin, she was not able to have children, so she used her handmaiden, and her sister used a handmaiden. And in between the two handmaidens, Zilpah and the other pa, <laughs> they had six children each, okay? Or, or there were 11 sons. So what, what this is setting up here is that there's this blended family, there's 11 sons, and then there's Joseph, who's now 17. And he says he's pastoring, and he's watching the flock. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, of them, to his father. Now, I'm going to get into this a, a little bit deeper in a moment. But listen, there's, there's a reason we skip over that a lot when we're reading this passage. 
I'm not here to mess up anybody's theology when I say this, but we know that Joseph is looked at as a type and shadow that represents Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Because Joseph, when it's all said and done, saves his people. Because he becomes a reigner and a ruler in Egypt, and he's able to provide, and he brings his father and all of the family. He basically moves the children of God to a safe haven, and for hundreds of years they thrive until we get to Exodus. So what am I saying? It's, it's easy for us to only see the beautiful things and only try to learn from them. So for instance, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but for instance, it would be easy this morning just to start. We've got dreams in us. That is my point, by the way. That's point one. But we always want to start right there. I want us to sort of start by reminding ourselves that he was just as human as you are. He was a tattletale. Because before, before we ever talk about a dream, we see that the first thing he does after it describes the fact that he's got 11 older brothers, he's bringing a bad report about them to the father. And then it tells us that the father, he's, he's his father's favorite son. And because he was in his old age, he's his favorite son. So he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, listen, they hated him. That's a strong word. Hate. They hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Anybody got a brother or a sister? You ever get mad at each other? Anybody married? You ever get mad at each other and not talk to each other for like, okay. <clears throat> so then can you see, and I'm not, listen, this is not a, a Joseph beatdown, but he's a tattletale. He's daddy's favorite. And, and, he, and he, he proves it. He's always wearing that shirt. He's always got that jacket on. And his brothers hate him. They have a hard time even talking to him. Now it's in that setting. Listen to what the Word of God says. Now Joseph had a dream. And when Joseph has this dream, he told his brothers that they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? The American translation, are you out of your mind? Are, are you going to rule over us? So listen, they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, I just want to set this up just for a minute because Again, I don't want you to think that I'm twisting things here. And I've prayed through this, so believe me. read a book by Robert Morris many years ago, and he, he takes us through this journey, this life. And I've just been really praying because over the last many weeks, we've been talking about what transformation looks like, what it is to be saved, what it is to be healed, set free, what it is to be a follower of Christ. All of those could be serious within themselves. 
but I, I was determined to make sure we stayed on this path of growth. So what are some things we have to deal with? Well, what I want us to see in Joseph this morning was not just youth and immaturity. That's easy. It's, it's our youth and immaturity. It's our spiritual youth and immaturity. Because I don't care how old physically we get, spiritually you're always growing or, or in need of growing. And, and what I want you to see here is here's this young man. Now, can you imagine, um, I don't want to insult anyone this morning, but I, I'll just say it like this. When I was 17, I was the oldest in my family. I was the oldest sibling. Uh, I had one brother who was 16 months younger than I. Uh, my sister was about um, maybe eight years younger than I. And my youngest brother was 10 years younger than I am. I ruled things in my house. When my dad wasn't there, I was a machine. When my dad was there, I was in trouble. But when it came to my siblings, they knew who the boss was. Can you imagine what it would have been like for my little brother to constantly be telling me he was daddy's favorite and to be constantly telling me of how he would one day rule over me? That wouldn't have gone over very well, would it? And I was a Christian, and it wouldn't have gone over very well. It wouldn't, and, and I know probably most of us are thinking, come on, this sounds a little silly. Not after the third day, it won't. Not after somebody is constantly reminding you they love me more than you. You're not as important. I'm more important than you are. Man, you're making Joseph sound really bad. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to, I'm trying to set something up, and you'll see it in just a moment. Because what Joseph was experiencing was just youth. But now listen, he had a legitimate dream. The Bible goes on to say, then he dreamed another dream. <laughs> and he told it to his brothers. I can see him. This will get them even better. They'll like this one even more. Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon, 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told us, even his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him. And he said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow down ourselves to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Now, now let's break this down for a few minutes. There's a couple of things that are happening in this passage. And then I just want to ask simple things. Three simple questions. Number one, what is God birthed in you? What is God birthed in you? What, what dream has God birthed in you? For some of you, it's, it's literally <clears throat> inconceivable that you would even have a dream. You don't even know what that looks like. You're praying about, you know, God, what's your, what's your call in my life? What am I supposed to do for you? Or, or God, you know, are you real? Some of you have had a dream so long, you've given up on it. But I, I just want to tell you something. When God gives you a dream, he fulfills the dream. When God gave Joseph these dreams, and let me just say it this way too, God will never give you the dream of the completion. He just gives you the dream of the beginning. Um, why is that? 
Can I just be, yeah. Most of us, if God would have told Joseph, you're going to be a powerful leader in Egypt, and you're going to take care of the whole world during a famine. There's no headlines in that. I, I might get famous, but that doesn't impress me at 17. What impresses him? Your brothers are going to bow down. Your brothers represent these sheaves, and they're all going to bow down. Wow, I'm going to have power. I'm going to have, well, that sounds like God's making us fleshly. No, it's just how we respond to God sometimes. God knows how to get your attention. And he births something in you. Many times it's just what's, what the potential is in your life or what he would like to do in your life, and it gets something stirring. It might be, for some of you, it might be the call to go into ministry. It might be the call to, to start a business. It might be the call to start a family. It may be the call to, to try to serve him in some other capacity. And, and you're sitting here and you're saying, I know, I know that's in there somewhere, and I know God is telling me, but I want to tell you, if you really want to know how to get to know the dream giver better, you've got to get with him. You can't, you can't say, Lord, what is your dream for my life? What is it I'm supposed to do for you? See you next Sunday. You, you, you have to get with him. Listen to what the word says in Numbers chapter 12. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, in a dream, but not with my servant Moses. He is faithful in the house, and I meet with him face to face. Listen, God wants to meet with you face to face. God wants you to meet, and I know preachers are supposed to say this, right? How do you meet with God face to face? You get in his word every day. Now, I don't want to offend anyone. But if you're not in his word every day, what are you doing? That's like having an iPhone and never turning it on. I'm sorry, I just offended somebody. Even worse, they have an Android. Um, it's, it's, it's having access to the power, but, but denying the power. You have access to God. But don't go to him. Don't expect the dream to ever make sense without spending time with the dream giver. And, and, and here's, the, here's the temptation, because a lot of times we'll, we'll start even deciding, well, I'm really not walking this out. And, and listen, uh, I have the terrible challenge in my life. If I'm, whatever courses I'm teaching occasionally, if it's good stuff, I, I don't teach it. I get into it. And then it starts rubbing off on Sundays. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, the, the weakest link in the chain in our churches is discipleship. It's not, can God save us? It's, will you follow? It's not, is there grace? It's, will you pick up your cross? Well, I'm really struggling now, Pastor. Okay, pray. Nah, that's just one I don't like to pray. Okay, then. Have a miserable day. Well, I was hoping you would pray for me. No, I don't have time to waste my time with something you don't want to do. That's like people want to come for counseling and me fix their problems, but then not change. I don't have time for that. 
Uh, I mean, and I don't mean that arrogantly. I'm not trying to be silly or arrogant, I promise. Um, One of the biggest challenges I have when I meet with people is if they're really serious about taking the next step. Because if they're not, that's the last meeting. Um, I'm already behind on everything I do in life. I don't need to be behind on one more thing. So here's here's what I'm saying. If, If our discipleship is really truly following after Christ, I promise you guys, you spend time in the Word, you spend time on your face before God, you spend time in worship, you get alone with God. We've talked about this a lot. The reason a lot of times we don't like to be alone is because we hear pretty well when it gets quiet. That's why this whole pandemic to me has been a blessing. I, I, I know it's, it's been tragic for many, many people, and that, that's not a part that I'm talking about. But the isolation, the having to be still, for the whole world to have to stop. You hear things when it gets silent. When God says, hey, I've been trying to work on that part, I've, I've really got you to be able to stand still for a minute. Can you hear me now? I was trying to speak to you in the storm, but now that it's quiet, can you hear what I'm saying now? Because see, sometimes we, we forget that God wants us just to back off the culture for a while. God wants us to just shut things down. Uh, I, I was flipping through a some grades the other day and came across this article and I posted to a lot of the students and it was a it was a secular article but it was on the magic of silence for one minute what is one minute of silence and what they're referring to in business if somebody comes up and asks you a question don't open your mouth be quiet for one minute the awkwardness of silence Listen to what happens in that awkwardness. And we can spiritualize this all day long, but listen to this. Number one, you put the outside world on mute. When you get silent with God, put the outside world on mute. Get alone with God. Take you and your Bible and a pen, a piece of paper. You know, don't, don't bring your boom box and your tailgate in your iPhone, in your headset, in your earbuds. Well, I have to have music when I worship. No, you need silence. Turn all that off for a few minutes. Nothing wrong with music, but turn it off. Let it get real quiet, and you'll be shocked when you start to read. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. Are you in me? Are you really connected? This isn't a part of the sermon I'm asking you. Are you really connected? Am I making sense? You see, until we get silent, because what this article was talking about is it exercises our thinking, because now we can really begin thinking. And in our spiritual lives, it sounds more like this, God, I'm not. I'm not connected. Because then it helps you get to the root of the problem. Now, this is all in one minute. It gives you a chance to go deeper. It gives you a chance for your emotions to get balanced. Why? Because you don't don't worship a fickle God, and he hasn't saved a fickle person. You can be balanced. You don't operate by feelings. You operate by faith. So you don't have to live this life based on emotions. You can live this life based on faith. 
He says to remain in harmony with your values and your principles. Say what you mean and mean what you say. It increases your confidence. You know what that means? It makes you bold. See, when you get along with God, yes, I'm still talking about Joseph, but when you get along with God, it'll make you bold. But now what, what is it about this, this morning that I want us to grasp hold of? Because the reality is sometimes when God puts something in your spirit, some, sometimes when God gives you that dream or, or plants that in your life and something begins to happen and you just begin to sense something, if it doesn't happen on your timeline, we all have the tendency of trying to help God along. And God has never planned for you to help him. He wants to transform you. See, I believe that a lot of our dreams aren't really for you to be great. It's for you to be seen because God is great. Uh, The reason God gave Joseph this dream was not for his brothers to bow down. It was to start a, a process of growth for Joseph Because God already knew what he was going to have to face, but he knew he wasn't ready. Have you ever had a dream that says, yes, Lord, I'm ready right now. Let's do it tomorrow, Lord. I'm ready to be famous tomorrow. I'm ready to, Lord, I'm ready to lock and load. You're acting like this isn't making sense, but you know it is. That thing that God bursts in you, I'm going to start a business and we're going to make a million dollars next month. How many of you know it takes longer sometimes than you thought it did? Now, I say that because it wasn't so much that Joseph got ahead of himself. It's that God wants to make sure we don't get ahead of ourselves. Am I making sense? So he wants us to understand that if there are some things in your life that you feel called to, just trust that God is doing something. But I want to say this, too. There might be some things in your life. There may be some some dreams in your life because when you don't spend time with God, you'll fill it with something else. And some of us have dreams that we just need to let go of. There's not a lot of us in this room, but how many men, um, 40 and over? Okay, thank God there's more than I thought. How many of you played some type of college sport or high school sports? Okay. Football? Anybody play football? Okay. Listen, the Cowboys are not going to call you. You can, you can let go of that dream. All right. Redskins, maybe. But the Cowboys, I'm, I'm a Redskins fan. I can say that. I'm a Washington fan. I can say that. So here, here's, here's the thing. Some of us are holding on to dreams, so you're saying there's a chance. I still want to, you know, my dream is to play professional football. Pastor, let it go. You are not, you, you're not even allowed on the sidelines, brother. Please, just let it go. Um, But am I making sense? I know that's a stretch, but not really. Some of us are holding on to stuff that we've been holding on to for a long time. It's not supposed to happen. And it's funny, because when you do get along with God and start praying, you're, like, you're, you're trying to speak that into existence. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak that dream into existence. Okay, but that's not what I want you to do. You know, and, and it doesn't mean we're always off track. It doesn't mean God may, 
may not allow. You know, I thought he gave you the desires of your heart. When your heart is so wrapped up in him, he will. But when your heart is wrapped up in yourself, you're on your own, guys. That's the tragedy. You really are on your own. He'll hear your cry, but not to make that dream work. So we have to let some stuff go. I hope I'm making sense. So we let some stuff go. But then, here's the second thing. Selfish dreams die. The only thing we really can live for is what God is doing. But so, you know, will, will you understand and embrace the dream that God has for you? But will you walk it out or just talk it out? Here's a problem with Joseph. He was good at talking it out. Okay? Pastor, you're beating Joseph. No, I'm not. We're not going any further than this passage today. Okay? Um, what, what is the difference between walking it out and talking it out? Um, and please, if you've done this, don't, don't take anything personal. We've all done this. We've all gone to a, a pastor or we've gone to a church and in introducing ourselves, hey, you know, my name is so-and-so, and listen, I feel called to this. Good. Praise the Lord. Start walking that out. Um, what does that look like, Pastor? I don't know. Um, it wasn't my dream. I, I'm not, wasn't my calling. I, I'll help you. I'll help, you know, we'll walk through it. But in most cases, people spend a lot more time talking about what they hope is going to happen than just start walking it. Start walking it out. Because, see, here's the problem. When you, when you think about what God is calling you to do, it seems so far out there, you can't even imagine being there. So you're just wanting God to make something happen. You can't imagine being there, so how to get there is not even on your radar. But it's a lot easier to talk about it. Now, this is where we get into pride. Pride. How does that fit? I'll show you in just a minute. Because it's a lot easier to talk about things than doing them. It's a lot easier to talk about what you're going to do or even what you've done and you still haven't done it. And, and we talked about this a lot here at the church, but listen, if you come up to me, and I've done this, uh, I remember several years ago, young man, uh, he was our youth pastor here for a few years, Sam. He's living in the uh, western part of Virginia now. But I had Sam in a, a youth minister's class, youth pastor's class at Regent. And he came up to me and said, hey, man, I, I just really, I want to get some experience. I said, okay. What do you feel called to do? I don't know. I'm like, well, come over and play. And he was like, what do you, play what? I said, around. Play around. What do you mean? I said, well, take about two months and be an usher. Then take about two months and help out with the youth. Then take about two months and do something with the praise team. Then take a couple of months and do something with hearing. And while you're playing, you'll be walking stuff out. And when you're walking something out, you'll start to feel a passion for something. And you'll, you'll feel a, a, a leaning toward a certain direction. And while you're spending time with God and walking it out, I promise you, you're going to wake up one day and you're already going to be halfway down the road that you would have never been if all we're going to do is talk about it. 
Um, so he did. He came over here. After about a year and a half, we hired him as a pastor with our youth. Now, I'm saying that not because you should go out looking for a job at a church. It's how can you start walking it out right now? How can you just start walking it out? This isn't a commercial for ushers and greeters. Believe me, what we do on Sundays is vital. So helping out here, that would take maybe 45 minutes of your life every week. So helping out here in some way, that, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's powerful, necessary, but not what I'm talking about. How are you going to walk it out at work? Well, Pastor, my, my dream, God's just birthed me that I want to be a great CEO one day. Then be a great worker in the postal room right now. I don't think we do paper letters anymore. Be a good janitor. I'm just waiting for the right position to open up. No, work so well where you are. You'll see this in Joseph's life too. Work so well where you are that they can't do it without you. But then, listen, powerful leadership principle. Then work so well at training others they can do everything without you. Now I'm saying that because we have a tendency in our life to allow ourselves to find ourselves talking and not walking. Now, how does this apply? We find Joseph, this young Joseph, immature. We know it's just the beginning of the story, just like it's the beginning of the series. Somebody say amen. But he's just bragging. I'm going to be your boss one day. That's not a very popular story to tell 11 older brothers. Because we all know what happens in the next passage, right? That's next week. So we already know what's coming, right? That's from your brothers. That's from family, all right? Um, but he's constantly bragging. I'm, I'm, I'm dad's favorite. Oh, by the way, dad, did you hear what they did again? Dad, can I tell you something? Reuben, I know. He's just got this whole, because when, when the Bible says a bad report, I'm going to throw out Hebrew with you here, but look it up. Bad means deceitful report. In other words, he might even be making stuff up. In other words, he was trying to make himself look good in front of his dad and make his brothers look bad in front of his dad. That's what pride will do. Pride will make sure I take care of myself at your expense. Pride will make sure I don't walk things out, but I do a lot of talking. Pride will make sure that I can, I can look at someone and say I want their best, but I'm only looking out for me. That's, that's just the, the kind of thing pride sets us up for. In the book of Proverbs, when it talks about pride, and uh, you, you've all heard this and know it, it's pride comes before the fall. And, and that slothfulness and everything that comes with it causes that great fall. Why? Because pride inherently touches every area of your life. Pride's not just this thing that happens once and you get it taken care of. Here's what pride is based off of. Insecurity. I didn't know this was going to be a counseling session. Here's what pride is, is based off of. Insecurity. It's, it's instead of talking big, 
because I don't know if I can measure up. I, I just wonder sometimes if Joseph felt like he was the younger brother and didn't measure up, wasn't a part of the Big 12 yet, didn't feel like you fit in. So the best way to feel like you fit in is pull everybody down to your level. Hello? Is if, if, I can make, if I can make people think about you what I want them to think about you, then they'll think better about me. Spread a few rumors, spread a few lies, look good when I need to look good, and praise the Lord if I have a dream, share it. Because by the way, God gave him these dreams. Here's a sticking point, and we'll move quickly. God will give you dreams that if you're not careful, you'll turn them into nightmares. God can give you dreams. God can give you the answers to your prayers. But if dealt with wrongly, it's like diamonds in your hand. They just fall through your fingers like sand. Um, third question. Are you willing to deal with the root of pride? That's the insecurity. Am I really willing to deal with the stuff I'm insecure about? Now, I'm not trying to get in your business, but you can't preach the word without it getting into your business. I'm not trying to mess up people. and I know the title of the series is Joseph's Life, What Will You Be Known For? There is a part of me that to people, I, you know, that I can't, I can't hope you like me. I, don't, I really don't care. I mean, I love you, but I love you enough to say you're still dealing with pride. How many of you have ever dealt with a pride issue in your life? How many have ever dealt with lying? Those are the, all the people that didn't raise their hand the first time. <laughs> now, the second question, you don't have to raise your hands on this. How many have had to deal with pride issues more than once? Now, here's why. If insecurity is the root of pride, Every time you're faced with a new challenge, you become insecure. Every time, that, that's why if, if you can, I'm not picking on anybody, but when, when I've called several of our moms in the church, hey, how are things going on at home? Oh, everything's going great? That's pride. It's a lie and it's pride. Because down deep inside, they're homeschooling children. I have had some moms that have been brutally honest. And it's a miracle the kids are still alive. <laughs> but, but if a mom says, oh, you know what? It's going phenomenal. I didn't know I would love homeschooling so much. The kids are so orderly. They listen to everything I say. They do all their work. It's a, it's a miracle, Pastor. I'm loving it. That's called denial. And, and, and the reality is it's pride. Because it, what... Pastor, how is that pride? I'm not willing to say I need help. I've got this. I'm not going to look bad to anybody. I'm not, nobody needs to know we have problems. Nobody's going to know I have a weakness. Because if, if I look like I have a weakness, nobody will want to be my friend. So to make sure I've got friends, I'm going to tell everybody how great I'm going to be one day. 
I'm going to tell everybody how wonderful I am and how bad you are. And if I can convince them of that, they'll hang around me. Does it sound like junior high? But it's, it's, really, it's really our lives in a weird way at times. So, so how do we deal with that root? Well, a couple more questions and we're going to pray. And this will be different for all of us. But what are the things you're insecure about right now? What are the things you're insecure about right now? That little card we gave you, um, nobody, nobody needs to see what you're writing on that. I don't deal with pride issues, and I'm proud of it. Um, that card is just for you to write, write some stuff on there that really maybe only you and God know. Maybe, maybe you've not told anybody. Maybe you've been able to keep it a secret long, longer than you thought. Maybe nobody still knows you're an artist. I'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> Um, maybe nobody has read through the minutia. But God does. And see, as we'll see with Joseph's life, God has a way of just, in every circumstance, he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That no matter where you are right now, he'll meet you where you are right now. But listen, he's not going to leave you where you are right now. So when, when we talk about what are the things that I'm insecure about, I, I don't want to build too much of a list because I don't want you to just to jump on one that's convenient. But what does it look like, again, if, if you're a mom and you're having homeschool for the first time? It ain't fun. My wife and I homeschooled for a week. <laughs> and then we just let them homeschool themselves. A lot easier. Here's, here's, my, here's my thinking on this. Anytime you start a new endeavor in your life, you're going to feel insecure. Um, when my wife and I were first married, over, over 39 years ago, we got married in the second grade. We, um, we knew after about a year you go through these cycles, and I, if, if you're newly married, please, guys, don't. Not everybody's the same. But we, uh, you start having these thoughts. Woo! This wasn't a good idea. That was my wife. <laughs> I thought everything was great. Um. So, so you're insecure, or you start a new job, and you realize you're in over your head. Um, you're, you're always just, you're just doing all you can. Or you're, you're in college for the first time. You're a freshman. And listen, I'm, I'm just talking, this is just, we're just all family here, right? Even if you're new, you're family now. Um, most freshmen come into every university, and they take on 15 to 18 hours of schoolwork, but don't change anything in their lifestyle. And they wonder why they're four weeks behind on every assignment and what life is going to look like when their parents kill them. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, we're all human. There's, we get in over our heads. Things don't work out the way we plan. Things don't happen the way we expected. Because, see, what God has started in you, 
You might not even be close. When Joseph started this process, he was 17. He was 30 before he stood before Pharaoh. Now listen, he was 30, he was 34 by the time he had to start dealing with the famine. Um, my point is, by the time he was 43, I believe, is when he finally got to see his dad again. Because he brought the children of Israel, Jacob being Israel, to Egypt. What God was trying to do with him started at 17, but wasn't fulfilled till he was 43. This isn't about a sprint. It's about a faith that's built on a rock, Christ Jesus. And when we understand what God is doing, we may not understand every twist and every turn, but, but without being sarcastic, what have I got to do? I've got to be walking it, not talking it. Stop bragging on the dream. And this may sound silly, just start living it. Live like children saved by a Savior, and you're following a Lord. But I've got to be willing to deal with the root. You know why some of us keep dealing with pride issues all the time? Because we try to deal with the fruit and not the root. Man, I've got to really learn how to keep my mouth shut. So we just do behavior modification. And we don't talk at work. And then they send us to anger management because we've just stopped, we've stopped talking at work. So we're just constantly dealing with fruit issues, but never root issues. So I, I want us to pray. Because as we start this series, it's not even about everything getting cleaned up today. Your, your eternal stance can be taken care of immediately. But that work that God is doing in you, um, it's a continual process. Amen? Ingrid, if you'll please come. Let's all stand together. Am I making sense, guys? <clears throat> Here's a couple of uh, things just to practice this week. Instead of putting yourself first, put somebody else first. Instead of wanting the recognition, give it to somebody else. Prefer your brother. Instead of taking credit for what others have done, give credit where credit is due. Instead of uh, being haughty and I've got this, I don't need any help, be willing to ask for help. I tell this to students all the time and even brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, we still don't practice it well. But if, if you ever have a question, just raise your hand. I don't want everybody to know that I don't know. Why are you here? If you know it all, why are you here? Um, you know, believe me, true confessions from a teacher. You ready? Um, I'm still learning with you. I'm hoping some of you have the answer occasionally. Um, because the bottom line is, until we drop that pride, that's what it is, is pride. I don't want to look silly in front of the class. So you keep getting F's on the test. I don't, I don't want to look bad. Forget that. You know what I want to say about all of us? There they are. 
it might be the end of your life. It may be at different times in your life. But, man, that's a person. They didn't let pride stand in their way. They didn't let insecurities of life. They know who they were in Christ Jesus. When Satan was being, when Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness, he said, if you are the Son of God. Jesus didn't turn around and said, I am the Son of God. You know, they tell you that all the time. If you have to tell somebody who you are, you're not. <laughs> I'm the boss. Not really, not if you have to tell everybody. Jesus didn't turn around and say, I am the Son of God. No. Jesus started quoting the word. Why? Because Jesus already knew who he was. Listen, today, embrace who you are. Who are you? You're a Son of God. You've been saved, healed, set free. You're following Christ. You've been empowered. You've been gifted. Sir. Your identity is not in your circumstances. It's in your Christ. It's in your Savior and Lord. I don't care what you've done yesterday, guys. I really don't. I'm serious. We may have to work through a lot of stuff, but I don't care what you've done yesterday because he'll meet you where you are today. There really is a plan for your life. Even if you've given up on it, he hasn't. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would just continue to speak to us. Father, even as we are leaving in the conversations, those going to lunch, Father, those that are meeting friends, Lord, even tomorrow as as we'll be back in classes and there'll be different things taking place and there'll be many at work and their businesses and all the different things that are taking place. And then the social distancing all that's taking place. And Father, yes, even the elections coming up and all the different values that are twisted. And Lord, there's sometimes we don't even know which way to turn. Lord, let us leave here today knowing who we are. We are men and women of God in whom the Spirit of God is. Now go with us, Lord. Lead us, guide us, direct us in every step, I pray. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has never surrendered to you, Lord, afresh and anew, we say, here I am. God, here's my life. Here's my dreams that I've messed up royally. Take them. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray that you use us in your precious name. Amen. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.